I'm Dr. Ashley McClure, a primary care doctor and medical community climate organizer and mom. Welcome to my podcast, Courageous Medicine, where I interview fellow physicians to hear their personal stories of when they first faced the climate crisis, how they see the responsibilities of being a physician as a call to climate solutions advocacy, and what gifts engaging in climate activism has given their lives. My name is Dr. Sam Stia. I am a uh, nephrologist and I live in uh, North Central Pennsylvania, a rural um, environment. Um, I've been here for about 25 years. I've more or less trained up and down the East Coast uh, for medicine and college and so forth. Um, I am actively involved, or I'd like to think I am actively involved in the climate movement. Uh, I think this is uh, the most, the single most important thing a physician can do outside of the normal um, mechanics of having a practice and, uh, you know, schedules and, and uh, keeping abreast of medicine. I think this is the most important thing um, that I can do. But uh, in that vein, and, and I just want to say about central Pennsylvania, this is the epicenter of fracking, you know, so uh, I live in a frack zone. My house is surrounded by gas wells and and um, it, that, along with the uh, election of President Trump, uh, was the impetus or were the impetus uh, for uh, me writing a fiction book. Not much else I could do. I'm, I'm a solo practitioner. I'm here in Williamsport. Um, I do uh, spend time at night writing. Uh, I like writing. Um, I wrote a fiction book. And the fiction book is about uh, kids in the future uh, dealing with uh, what we're doing to the environment now. The, the book takes place 60 years in the future. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a science fiction book. Um, but the kernel of the book is seeing through the eyes of kids. When I say kids, I mean teenagers. Seeing, seeing through the eyes of teenagers uh, 60 years from now, what they are feeling, what they are experiencing, and the desperation they feel. That, that is the kernel of the book. In other words, it's a perspective from our children's children. So a change in perspective, that's what doctors do. You know, doctors uh, try to convey messages to patients. And perhaps, for example, in my profession, if I talk about kidney dialysis, that's a perspective of the future, um, of, of, a, of a future possibility. And if they can maybe think that way, or at least appreciate that uh, level of uh, reality, hard reality, uh, perhaps it could mitigate what they're doing that would bring them to that course. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, um, it's kind of a, a, a work from a physician, from a nephrologist that sees a lot of hardships and uh, patient tragedies, which are, which are preventable. So knowing that, I, I kind of combined my, um, you know, my um, perspectives as a physician and um, my interest in science and science fiction. And I, I wrote a book and uh, I hope 
to make some impact. We'll see. It's still very early. In your personal life, so it sounds like, you know, a lot of different factors kind of turned your attention towards the climate crisis and how it's a health crisis and a yes, absolutely. moral crisis also. Are you able to like name the moment in your life where you faced the reality all the way? Was there like a certain moment where it just... Yes, uh, and I'll tell you that. Uh, would you allow me to be a little bit political? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. All right. Well, you know... You know, I, I'm a product of the 80s. You know, that's when I went to medical school and college and all that. And there was, there was the nuclear war, you know, the nuclear war and the potential for nuclear war. But reason did win in the end. You know, the, uh, you know I mean, there was some, there was an, uh, there was a, and I think they're still there in a different form, but there was something called the, uh, International Physicians for the Prevention of Nuclear War. Uh, there was that. And there was just kind of a idea that we all agree this is really bad and uh, common sense will win at the end. And it did, you know, in the late 80s. I mean, even Reagan uh, acknowledged that nuclear wars, you know, nuclear proliferation is a bad thing. Nuclear war must be prevented. A lot of that came from the fiction of, uh, there was a movie called uh, The Day After. It was a fiction story, a different perspective of people living after, that's why it was called The Day After, it was after the effects of a nuclear war, a different perspective. But again, there was that idea that common sense would, will win in the end, uh, humans will prevail, we can uh, think our way out of new human nature, that kind of thing. And I thought that was happening in the, you know, with climate. I put climate change right up there with nuclear war. I'm sorry, but that's just the way I feel. And I was getting that sense that people were, it, it, it was inevitable until the election of Trump. And then I just, it was just a moment that I realized that um, maybe something is wrong. Uh, maybe it's, uh, um, Maybe the electorate is the electorate. The electorate is not informed as they should be. Doctors should speak up. We are we are the gatekeepers of health. We are the um, uh, the maintainers of health, and we should be all concerned about public health, especially if something this grave. Uh, let me do something. So it was probably the election of Trump that kind of made me uh, do something. And again, what could I do? I'm, I'm kind of waylaid by my practice. I, I can't, I'm inflexible, but I, I could do something like this. And that's, that's why I wrote the book. So it was a combination of um, uh, having faith previously that common sense would win, but then things like Trump being elected and social science making you very concerned that actually common sense is not going to win by default, like that's actually something I have to fight for. And then that prompted you to write a, a fiction story. Yes, it, it prompted me to do something mm -hmm. in yeah. my capacity to yeah. act. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And uh, where I live, central Pennsylvania, there's a lot of fracking going on. There's a lot of 
and, and what's really what's really important for me, and one of the and one of the reasons why I acted is that doctors don't care. You know, that's what I see around me. Doctors say, you know, this is not my problem. This is going to happen hundreds of years from now. Why should I sacrifice my time and my effort when I have my own issues? That's the general impression from the doctors that I live and work with. Mm-hmm. What was it that, so beyond like a, um, I guess a belief in common sense, what was it, are you able to say uh, even more subtle, what was it that forced you to act? Um, what was it to force me to act? Um, I think it was the attitude of the people around me, you know, just, just, talking with them. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about truck, you know, climate change? Don't you care? No, I own a 20 acre farm and I'm being paid royalties. Um, you know, just that, just that attitude of just negligence. It's, it's, it's medical negligence on a, on a vast scale. And, it, and everything we are as a physician, everything we are as physicians, as uh, as uh, you know, health healthcare workers is violated by this by this attitude. It, it's it's just a, a terrible thing that I'm witnessing. Um, I just hope it doesn't carry on in the next four years. Uh, I, I'm just really concerned. Uh, I, um, I I do keep tabs of the science. The science for me is as real as the science I use to take care of patients. You know, it's, it's that degree of certainty. Um, So anyway, it's, it's, it's all those factors that I mentioned and it kind of came to it after the uh, election. So Um, I, I heard so clearly how you said it's negligence and I think below that, my sense is that there's, there's a deep caring, you know, there's a deep sense of responsibility and concern that is at, at, at stake. There should be, but perhaps where you are, there is, but where I am at, which is rural America, boy, there ain't, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and I know the American Medical Association puts out uh, editorials and, we need to be more active. We need to lobby just as hard as fossil fuel companies. They're in Washington. They're up and down this, the uh, Congress building in, in, you know, with their briefcases. Uh, you know, I, I, I suppose that, uh, you know, doctors have always taken the kind of the uh, position that we're not political. We're, we're caring for our patients. But I'm sorry, now is the time where doctors have to become political by talking about this topic to patients on a very broad scale to the point where, um, you know, um, they need to lobby Washington. They need to, uh, by programming, you know, through the networks, uh, the head of the AMA, the Surgeon General needs, we need to speak out as much or more than the COVID issue, you know. Uh, you, I hear you, absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, um, I mean, I recent- not, not doctors, are, they're just too passive, too passive at this critical point in time. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah, one of my mentors is um, Dr. Don Berwick, who was the previous administrator of CMS and founder of the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. And he wrote an amazing article recently called The Moral Determinants of Health and very clearly stated in it many of the same exact sentiments you're talking about and how silence at this moment in history is not neutral. Like we can't take a pass on the injustices that are occurring. And he also, uh, we were just fantasizing about if healthcare institutions were to dedicate, pledge 50% of their lobby budgets to any of the elements of social determinants of health. I would obviously say climate advocacy, whether it's racial justice or um, criminal justice or healthcare for all, you know, it's all intersectional. Um, but I think the, the lobby influence of the medical community um, really could walk the talk more in advocating for Absolutely. health. And uh, I do want to say, and this, this, I don't want to certainly um, uh, say anything um, to detract from the climate scientists. Climate scientists, they're, they're, they're yelling from the mountaintops, but the people will believe their doctor and the people will believe medical groups more than academics. I, I think that is an important point. Um, and I think doctors could, at this time in history, could be absolutely uh, instrumental in causing a sea change in public opinion and public policy. Amen, I yes. <laughs> I, keep, I keep waiting for a new enlightenment, you know, I mean, the Enlightenment from the 18th century or the 17th century, that was, you know, people's relationship with people and people's relationships with the government. But we need a new Enlightenment about people's relationship with nature, of, of sustainability. It, it has to be on that level. I, I tell people it has to be at a Cold War level, you know. Yep. yep. Um, Are, so, do you have any, any heroes uh, in health? in medicine who you physicians who you think exemplify um the kind of leadership for social safety social healing political um advocacy for physicians um there is a um there is a doctor that i'm communicating with she's an emergency room physician in philadelphia and uh and one thing about this book is that it's uh, giving me contacts with other physicians. Um, but as far as a uh, physician guru that's advocating for climate change, is there one? <laughs> there, there kind of a, a, a all-encompassing physician that uh, is on the level of, you know, a Surgeon General or... You know, I know a lot of climate scientists, but I don't know physicians that have uh, made this the forefront of their career. But I'm learning and I'm in contact with people such as yourself. So, um, Exactly. I think, yeah, another question I'm curious about is since you kind of turned towards the need um, to speak out 
about the threat of climate change coming from, it sounds like a, a deep place of concern for human health and safety in the natural world. Has it given your life anything like a, you know, are there, are there gifts that this work is bringing to your life? Um, a gift of a mission. Um, you know, my practice is my practice. I've been doing this for, I've been doing nephrology for 25 years. It's depressing at times. Um, I'm getting through it. It's, it's almost becoming more difficult just because of the volume involved. But there is that sense of a mission. Like, um, I know that medicine is going to be joining on to the climate fight at some point. I feel like, oh, well, maybe I'm a pioneer in this. It's kind of exciting, a bit frustrating, but the concept of a, of a new mission and something perhaps to invest um, the later years of my life in, that's, that, that's what it's giving me. And, and, and of course, there's the story itself. In a way, it was almost like taking vacations, you know, getting away. It's, 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 uh, it was kind of like I was on the journey with the people in the book. So mm, The process of writing. Yeah, the, the process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. So yeah. in fact, I finished writing and I'm kind of like, okay, what do I do now? So there are these podcasts, yes, but I'm kind of, okay, maybe I should write a new book. You know, there's something missing. Mm, but, you know. Yeah. Maybe we could brainstorm about collaborating. Um, so it sounds like the, the mission and the purpose of focusing your, your energy on something that feels so existentially important has really yes. been a, a gift. Yeah. Yes, I, I can't, let's put it this way. I can't, I cannot not think about it, you know. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I'm thinking, you're... okay, I have to be doing something else. So I'm with you maybe and um, talking with other people. So I'm, I'm still involved, but, um, you know, I'm kind of like looking for the next big thing. Is there one? I don't know. So I'm just reaching out right now. Yeah, it's a good, I think that's the best strategy. Um, I also wanted to, oh, and then it also sounds like the connections that you're making like you you mentioned you know, oh yeah position. I'm making connections yeah I'm, meet, I'm meeting people there's there's one fellow he's the head of uh, mygreendoctor.com Todd Sack mm -hmm. yeah yes he's yes good. I know him he's a very nice man yes uh, and I met him uh very nice man I'm meeting people yeah so glad that there are other people out there um mm -hmm. um and uh you know I'm kind of I'm kind of out in the woods here but uh, there are other people, perhaps a network or something. I can join some sort of network. So I'm, I'm reaching out with people. So Yeah. I, I, in the conversations I'm having and in my own experience too, the, the sense of community and, um, and like belonging yes. to something that's work, working for something bigger than the individual, you know, to be part yes, of a bigger yes. community that's concerned with the collective fate has been really, really meaningful. Yes, and uh, I think, boy, if the doctors could just join the fight in, in, in a meaningful way, that, that would really catalyze things for the better, you know. Um, 
you know, uh, so that's my grand hope. So mine, mine too. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing this conversation with me. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast with Dr. Sam Stea. Before you go, please visit climatehealthnow.org to see how you can get involved in the fight against climate change and definitely check out Dr. Sam Stea's book, Reimagine. As always, be courageous, stay healthy, and share these podcasts with your friends and colleagues. This is Angela Geronimo, and we hope you listen in next week.